Hi, it's Mark Zinkowitz, and welcome to the Seed World Podcast. The National Association of Plant Breeders annual meeting has gone virtual this year, so I am interviewing this year's Borlaug Scholars in the virtual world. The NAPB Borlaug Scholars Program strengthens the plant breeding profession by helping support attendance of future leaders at the NAPB annual meeting. For this podcast episode, we take a journey into the world of sorghum and talk with Amani Naidu Kianam, a PhD student at Texas A&M University. She has a bachelor's degree in agricultural sciences and a master of science degree in plant breeding. She's currently working on QTL mapping for sugarcane aphid tolerance in sorghum, and she's evaluating a chemical that I couldn't quite pronounce, and so I wanted to talk to her about it and find out why it is so important. So it's a very long uh, name. It has 25 alphabet in it, so it's almost as long as the total alphabet. so it's a chemical and it's pronounced as trifluoromethane sulfonamide. I tend to like break it down. Um, and in the lab and most of my research, I refer to it as uh, TFMSA. It's the first letters of trifluoromethane and sulfonamide. Um, or we just call it a gametocide, a male gametocide. Um, so this gametocyte was found to be effective uh, in sorghum about a year before I started my program. Uh, and they realized that they could use it in the field with almost no phytotoxicity to the treated plants. So they wanted to research it further because, you know, we, we can say phytotoxicity. I mean, they they measured in terms of visuals ratings of treated and untreated plants, um, because there was no leaf burning or, or you know, the sudden death of plants that that's usually associated with any chemical that is treated. Usually, hybridizing agents are pretty toxic. That's how they they uh, they render a plant sterile, uh, and because of that, they have like high fitness costs in a breeding program. But this chemical was very unique in the sense that at the small doses that it was effective, it caused no, almost no phytotoxicity. So from there, uh, we wanted to see if this was actually true and uh, see how it could be used in, in, in a functional breeding program. Um, so that's how my research originated. Uh, the chemical was actually discovered by someone else, uh, Dan Lucert at Pioneer. Uh, and he actually researched it on corn uh, in 2004. And in 2018, if I might say, it was rediscovered by our lab and found to be applicable in sorghum. One of the reasons why I picked uh, sorghum was because it was different from most of my other experiences because coming into my master's program, I worked with uh, cotton which was a which is a self-pollinating crop and it's mostly sold as a variety um, whereas sorghum was different in the sense that uh, it's commercially sold as a hybrid in most of the United States so the breeding uh, pipeline is very different from cotton so that's that's what actually intrigued me and I made the career shift to coming into um, into sorghum um, and also, you know, uh, 
have securing uh, research funding was also one of the reasons why I ended up picking Surabham. But when I was looking for positions, my key was to diversify my experience and learn things that I didn't already know. So coming from a, a, an entirely uh, genetics lab that was mostly focused on cytogenetics and molecular markers, I wanted to experience uh, a different type of genetics in, in the crop, like a hybrid hybrid crop. So, and, and because we're a public breeding program, we are mostly involved in line development that we usually license to companies that use these lines to create novel hybrids. So usually in, in, in developing female lines, it's usually much harder because we have to wait an additional three years to actually evaluate them as hybrids because they're not uh, sterile enough for us to test how they do in a hybrid combination. So with, with an available gametocyte, like if my work, um, which, which I hope will be published soon uh, in September, we can evaluate newly developed lines and we can decide, okay, if this line is going to produce uh, high-performing hybrids or not. And if it is not, then we're not going to waste three years trying to sterilize this line. So it's a good seed parent. Being the uh, Borlaug scholar specifically, how will this help to advance your, your career and your, your research? So I really think uh, the the additional mentorship that I will get from a dedicated mentor that they're going to assign to be very beneficial for my future. Uh, in terms of, uh, I, I'm hoping to be graduating within a year and I come from a non-academic background. Like I am literally the first person in my family to actually go to graduate school up to the PhD level. Uh, so I really don't have anyone that I know personally other than the friends that I have made through graduate school and the professors that I have worked for that can help me guide, uh, guide give me career advice. And I see this mentorship program as, um, as a great opportunity where someone is actually committed to try and help me because the, the community is small here and everyone wants to help, but everyone is also busy. So, so it's hard to uh, have a sit down with one like one person, especially in this kind of situation where we are limited to staying at home or at your office and we're not even going to actual meetings. So I think I see this as a great opportunity because, you know, I never, never thought that there would be a pandemic in my last year and that I will have an opportunity to network uh, at at all the meetings that I, I hope to attend, but now I'm still attending, but attending in a distance. So it is, it is a slight disadvantage and having a mentor that is committed to help you, uh, like help show you what avenues you have in front of you uh, will be very helpful to me to make the right decision for me. For more great podcasts, visit SeedWorld.com.